1: Welcome to another episode of Van Life. Tom Green here, and, uh, man, I'm about to get uh, a little more, uh, crazy with the, uh, Uh, Endurance aspect of this van life I got some secrets uh, that I'm hiding Hiding some secrets from all of you you guys I'm going to reveal them soon But the the fact is we're going to go a little more um, uh, Intensely uh, deep into uh, the wild Part of the reason is because it's starting to warm up a little bit Which is going to make it easier for me to go to some different types of places Which I'm super excited about Um But uh, today on the show, I want to talk about my van. And I want to talk about uh, how my van that I'm living in right now uh, came to be. Um, You know, I've been traveling around in this thing for the last six months or so. I got to actually check. I'm not even sure what day I started traveling in the van. But I've been traveling in this van for a while. Uh, Certainly not a year, but. More, more than six months, I think. Charlie, how long's it been? Charlie's chilling on the floor here. Charlie is my potcake dog, a rescue dog from the Bahamas, who I uh, rescued this year. Uh, was brought into uh, California uh, by a dog rescue in, in San Diego called Thrive. And uh, Charlie is just such a good girl, and we're having such a good time traveling, traveling all around. But, um... I want to talk to you about the history of this van because I found this van, uh, a friend of mine told me about Boho vans, Boho vans. Now, Boho is a, a, a great van, uh, what, what do you call, it? conversion company, I guess you would call it. They they convert vans, uh, David and Brett, who started Boho, uh, who are now friends of mine. Uh, well, they'll tell the story in a minute. We're going to talk to them in a minute, but the big, the cool part of the story is they were converting these vans in Phoenix, Arizona, and then they got uh, invited on the show Shark Tank, or they maybe they asked to go on the show Shark Tank. They went on Shark Tank, and like they won. I don't know how you say they won Shark Tank. I mean, they got an investor, Barbara Corcoran, invested in their company. And it gave them so much, uh, you know, I guess such a boost. They were already doing great. Now they're doing really great. And that's how I found out about them, actually. And I ended up uh, emailing them. They got right back to me. And uh, we started talking about this van. And I bought a van. I bought a van, and now I'm living in a van. I'm a, I'm a guy living in the van down by the river now. Rest in peace, Chris Farley. Oh, man. Rest in peace, Chris Farley. And now I'm the guy living in the van down by the river. So today on the show, we're going to talk to David and Brett from Boho about uh, all of their uh, journey into, uh, uh, into uh, building their company and what it was like being on Shark Tank. But we got a special surprise. Uh, Before we talk to David and Brett, we're going to talk to Barbara Corcoran. She agreed to call in. I asked uh, David and Brett if Barbara, if they could ask Barbara to talk to me. She said yes. And here we go. So let's talk to Barbara Corcoran. And then, uh, then we're going to talk to David and Brett. And this is awesome. Hey, Tom, how are you doing? It's Barb. Hey, Barbara, how are you doing? Nice to talk to you. Thanks for calling.
2: Where are you calling from? Your van?
1: I'm, I'm in my van. I'm in the desert. Oh, God. It's so
2: crazy, right? It's so
1: crazy. <laughs> it is so cool. This is the coolest thing. I've never had a van like this before. Uh, I will tell you uh, a big part of what... what uh, you know, got my attention was seeing uh, David and Brett on Shark Tank. A friend of mine of sent course, me the video. Of course, the
2: best way to get attention for a small business, my God. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I've become real fr- real good friends with the guys, actually, just in the last yeah, six months or so. Yeah, I
2: heard through I heard through Mike at my office. He said, you know, they're real good pals. I said, how did that happen?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're great guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm Canadian. I've spent a lot of time, you know, in mm. nature and uh, out in the... Uh, out, out exploring uh, the country over the years, but not in a van like this. And it's well, been-
2: how did you do that? Did you take like a bus tour or drive through the hills? Or how were you doing it prior to the van? You weren't living out there, right?
1: Uh, no, well, I live in Los Angeles now, and but when I'm just saying when I was growing up, I used to like going out on canoe trips and go out camping oh. and do all this sort of stuff. And the last few years, I've been, you know, doing a lot of photography, a lot of videography, mm. and so going out in the van has really gotten me out into some amazing places. But
2: I bet, so. mm. yeah, I'm so a little jealous. Honestly, I don't think I want to hear anymore. Yeah, I'm sitting yeah. Here in Manhattan, in a crowded street, and I'm thinking, I didn't even take my kids out camping, not once. Skiing was as close as we got, and there were a ton of people around.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, I don't think it's, I'll
2: get a chance now.
1: Yeah. It's kind of been the uh this crazy year that got me uh interested in this and and uh I never really uh heard about some of the technology in the van before with the batteries and the solar power and I'm able to run all my computers and my com- my cameras and things like that. But I-, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh uh w- you know w- what caught your attention about this uh company about Boho. I I um I uh, I'm, I'm interviewing David and Brett today on the show as well, and my okay, show.
2: So I could talk behind their back, right?
1: Exactly. Yes, that's that's what that's what we okay. want.
2: Well, let me tell you, I met them on the shark uh, the Shark Tank set. Of course, we don't ever meet the entrepreneurs before. Um, when they walked onto the set, honestly, I thought, ah, uh, this is going to be a boring one because they were so reserved. Honestly, <laughs> just walking onto the set. Uh, but then the minute they opened their mouth, I fell instantly in love with them. And what I think I could do right then and there when they started talking they're not like yahoo kind of guys which a lot of the people on the set are you know the entrepreneurs that come in to pitch but i could taste their passion i don't know how else to describe it i could taste like they were they were intense uh but i could taste their passion without them jumping up and down and i think what i sensed in them was that they had that kind of wired tight passion that was going to go the long distance you know a lot of people are wow 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 and then you buy into the business and six months later when something goes wrong uh they they peter out almost they just don't have the capacity to be a long distance runner i thought to myself i could picture these guys running for 30 years yep 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 steady as they go so as intense as the day they started yeah
1: yeah so is that one of the things that is the most important thing for you when you're investing in a company is the people and their passion and the product of course is important too right
2: uh, the, the you know the product for me personally takes uh, uh, way a second seat, back seat I should say, and the reason is I've learned uh, not to pay much attention to it, because whenever I invest in a business, because I fell in love with the people in front of me, uh, they've always done well and I've always made money, and when I've talked myself into something because the business idea was new, fresh, or done differently than it's ever been done before, and it made all the sense in the world, but I was like. Okay with the people, but not real excited about them uh, I always lost my money so it took me about five years, maybe four years at best to to learn that lesson and so I just shop for people i mean i wouldn't I wouldn't pick anyone up who I felt their business made no sense as long as I answered the basic uh qualities of every good business, which is will somebody pay for it? And can you make some money on this? You know, is there demand, and will people pay for it? And if that's those, if you could answer those two questions, then all the rest is about the entrepreneurs themselves. Has nothing to do with the business. Yeah, yeah. And did I? And on them, if I could add with Brett and uh, David, I felt that right away. Of course, I mean, I wasn't a genius. Everyone watching, I'm sure, had the same thought. I thought, would uh, not only would people pay for it, but more and more people would exponentially pay for it because of what was going on in the economy so i thought boy they're in the right place at the right time not that they planned it that way but there they were in the right place at the right time
1: that's probably always one of the most important things when you have a successful business is just being in the right place at the right time i think right
2: well, not always, honestly. I'm sorry. Isn't it terrible? I should learn to agree with people. But no, no, anything? no. I, 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 <laughs> okay. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. Well, it's it's perfect if you're in the right place at the right time. So yeah. they are. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. But remember, they started the business before it was the right time. Yeah. And so as long as you show up and you're there when the right time hits, you could take advantage. But a lot of people stop showing up, you know, wholeheartedly showing up for their work. Uh, not pushing ahead, not having enough uh, vans to accommodate. I mean, they could have played it very conservatively and just continued a small rental business, you know. But instead, uh, you know, they they rent uh, and they sell camper vans, and now they, I believe, they're about to start making them uh, as a standard package, so they could, uh, you know, knock off many more and, and hit the volume. But no, they were intent on their business. Uh, Brett is as excited about the business as uh, David is, and you know what? Uh, that's unusual. Usually, one guy leads. They're equal. They're punching it out together. You know?
1: Yeah, they've been great uh, with me. You know, I can tell you, as uh, you know, as far as the product goes, from my first-hand review uh, the last six months I've been traveling all over the southwestern mm. desert I've been in uh, the Arizona desert uh, close to the mm. border of Mexico I just came from Cabiza Prieta wilderness area down by wow. the border uh, I've been up wow. in New Mexico by yourself uh, by you myself by yourself, with with wow. my dog Charlie it's travels with Aww. Charlie pretty much
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs>
1: yeah and I'm making all these uh, videos and films for my podcast and for my YouTube channel wow. and things like and that what
2: kind of a dog is charlie i'm picturing a, let me guess a yellow
1: lab she looks kind of like that but she's actually a rescue from the bahamas she's a pot cake dog it's called but really kind of a, just sort of a mixed breed wow. street dog yeah. from the bahamas and she was nice. brought yes. into california from a rescue in san diego and she's turned out to be the greatest dog and we're having so much fun wow. but oh, you know God. we go out into nature and the thing that's really cool about this van is You know, normally when I go do photography and filmmaking, you have to go back to the hotel and charge your batteries and all of this stuff every Mm. day. And here I've got Mm. the solar panels and all of that that really keep me out there in nature for a long period of time. So it's awesome. That
2: I would think that would be a key piece, would it not, for your work? It's great. it.
1: It's great. I mean, normally I'm you know when we're not in the middle of a a worldwide global pandemic, I'm in I'm in my house and I go out on shorter trips. But this has just really kind of got. Me out of the house and it's been great. And I would think wow. that I would think that you know because van life is a movement and that's what this podcast mm. is called. It's called Van Life, mm. my podcast, and we're sort wow. of talking about this. Um, but you know, it's sort of a do-it-yourself movement where a lot of people do what David and, and, and Brett did, where they build their own vans. And uh, and then go out. But now they've sort of taken this idea of building their own vans and their skill at doing that. And they've turned it into this great business. As you know, I was lucky enough to go visit them at... Uh at the at the plant in Tempe, and we went and. Did How did you
2: find them, by the way, Tom? How did you even come across them?
1: So I was uh, just chatting with a friend with, of mine. And I was telling him that I wanted to get uh, a van and uh, start doing my my uh, videos, and and he he actually told me that he he just told me about Boho. Said he saw the guys on Shark Tank and sent me wow. some videos, and I I sent them an email, and I'll tell you, they got right back to me, and uh, and we had a great talk, and the rest was history. But would would that be kind of the perfect? example of uh, you know the like it's a perfect kind of business for shark tank i would think right it's somebody that's already kind of doing something like this and uh, then scaling amazing. it up i will
2: tell you what why it why it was terrific because yeah. it tapped into as you put it do it yourself you know a whole van life movement i never really thought about it that way but they were tapping into that so they so they were hitting a chord with the people at home because they had such a big response to the, to the uh, show. you know that doesn't always happen at Shark Tank. you either get a big response or everybody f- simply writes it off as, that was interesting and that's not good okay so I'm always paying attention to what kind of response they get. Uh, but uh, wait what was your question I had a great answer to it, and I just lost sight of it. What did you just ask again? Well I was just
1: I was just saying that because because it's sort of a typically a do-it-yourself thing, building your own van, and now they've scaled into a business. I would think that on Shark Tank, that would be appealing to your audience because you know, people sort of, I, I know when I watch Shark Tank, I always imagine, oh, I could make this or I could make that and go in and pitch it, and maybe I could start a bigger business out of my hobby, and that's exactly
2: what of they've done. Of course. Yeah. yeah, well, they had a story that everyone at home could relate to. Uh, what was not in their favor, quite honestly, is they were a local business. Uh, and if you're a local business and you could sell online, you're not a local business anymore. But uh, they were in Phoenix and they had limited capacity to produce. You know, they have they have hired a lot of people, trained them well, and are, are building up. But they couldn't expand overnight. You know, with a lot of the businesses on Shark Tank, uh, they might be making a widget of some kind. Uh, they anticipate they're going to get a, a, a big reaction on the Shark Tank night, and so they have the molds ready, they have the production ready, and they, they're able to say to someone, we don't have it now, we've just run out, but we'll get it, get it to you in three weeks. Uh, you know, of course, Brett and David could not do that. They had a, they had a wait list a mile long. And so was it ideal for Shark Tank for them to take advantage? For leads, yes. For pre-orders, yes. But they couldn't fulfill the product, you know. And so they were hindered by that. Uh, But what it forced them to do, because they have acumen of smart guys and, 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 and good operators, they thought of a system to produce many more vans in the same period of time than they had before. They they revisited how they assemble their vans, how many movable parts there are, how many could be streamlined, how many could be eliminated into making it one model. And they knocked out a lot of the uh, detail work that they previously were doing that slowed the whole process down. So they were smart enough to see they had the opportunity and smart enough to turn it around to up the ante on production. And they have done it remarkably well, you know, with great thought and being very careful, but also being very fast about it. Whereas many of the businesses I invest in Shark Tank with a widget or a single product, uh, ramping up is so much easier. And fulfilling the orders is so much easier, and cashing in on Shark Tank is so much easier. But like I started in the beginning, I thought that they had long-distance passion, you know? And I feel uh, they are going to be stars of, of Shark Tank in the updates, Uh, Because they're going to show how to really build a business, you know, a a substantial business, uh, not just knocking out a $29 item, but a substantial business with big product. And I don't think we've seen that on Shark Tank. So I'm expecting great things on coverage on Shark Tank because um, people want to know how you do that kind of thing. How do you pull it out? You know, and they're going to show everybody how they pulled it out. And And the judgment is so good. The judgment is so accurate in what they do. They weigh the pros, the cons, not like a professor, but quickly. And move quickly, and uh, they they trust themselves and their own judgment. That's cool.
1: How much? How much do you stay involved with with them specifically, and just generally with your businesses that you invest in? On, on Shark Tank, I mean, over the years, you must have a lot of businesses you're working with now. 80, how do you? Eighty three. I eighty three. Okay. Wow. How do you keep up yeah. with that? Well, and you how have much
2: priority? Yeah. I, I don't honestly. I don't honestly. <laughs> um, yeah. What I do is I choose the best and I leave the rest, uh-huh. and I make that assessment pretty darn fast once I close the deal uh yeah. because i i can't stretch my hours past what they are and uh more directly ironically uh the worst businesses need the most of, uh demand more of my attention, but i but I cut it off. if I don't think they have the talent I mean I'm polite and I help as I can uh but you know probably one in uh eight of my businesses becomes hugely successful. I'd like to say it's four out of five, you know, but it's mm-hmm. not the way it is mm-hmm. and what i what my charge is, is the minute I first speak with my entrepreneurs again after Shark Tank, when the deal is done, that's when we start working together, and that takes a few months to get the deal done. Um, but once I start working with my entrepreneurs, talking to them, uh I get my first or I should say my second impression of them. And you'd be surprised how people sometimes are great at pitching on Shark Tank and I've bought in but when it comes to filling out the simple paperwork providing financial uh, financial information basic financial books uh they don't have it together and those businesses are a mess they start out a mess and after all the years on Shark Tank no matter how hard i've worked if they're a mess they stay a mess no matter what i do so i i leave them uh you know for mostly up to their own demise <laughs> Yeah. Because I've realized I can't really change the nature of the entrepreneur. I mean, I tried many of the first years. Now, uh, the, what I do is I eagerly await the second test. And you know what the second test is? Now what's that? It's when they, they hit a wall. Uh-huh. Shark tanks made them famous. Everything's going. They've got back orders. Everything's coming through. And then something goes wrong. Right. Something bad goes wrong. And then I just shut my mouth and watch what they do. And that lets me know if I should spend any more time or not. And you know what? The ones that that I don't spend any more time with do, they feel sorry for themselves. They blame it on somebody else. And Uh the minute I sniff that out, I'm like, I'm out of here. I mean, I wouldn't say, hey, guys, I'm out of here. I'm like, oh, terrific. Well, had you thought about not blaming them? And what are you going to do next? Well, you know, if he had done da-da-da-da-da in the past, all right. Okay, guys, well, let me talk to you again when you need some help. I hope I hope they don't. But now take, we're going to jump to Brett and David. I have had, uh, I should really ask, I think three lengthy conversations with them. That's all since we closed. Mike, uh, how many times have we spoke with Brett and David, would you say? I'm sorry, I just have to. No problem. <laughs> three, oh, three or four? You think Four? I bet I'm right at three. He says three or four. I think we've spoken four three times. Yeah. Maybe four. But can I tell you, here's the difference. Sure. They send us an agenda in advance with all of their questions, top to bottom, what they want to talk about. They have already formed their opinion, by the way, on everything on the agenda. Yeah. <laughs> which I always realize at the end of the conversation.
0: Yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> but I'm used to it. Because all my good entrepreneurs are that way. So they ask me what I think, what would I do, da 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 and I just pour my brains into it as best I can my heart and soul because I'm on their side. We're partners. And then I realized at the end of the conversation, they pretty much had already concluded where they were going to go with each thing and they're going to go wherever they want to go despite what I told them. And that is the final, final test of do I have a winner? They basically milk me for everything they can when they need and then they do exactly as they please. Right. And you want to know that is the backbone of every entrepreneur. They trust their gut they know where they want to go, uh, they're focused, and they'll listen to everybody in town, but in the end, they do what they want to do. And I was the same way. You know, I, I capitalized on everything I could. But in the end, I said, ah, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this.
1: <laughs> right. So that's, that's sort of that yeah. uh, gung-ho, go-for-it attitude. I mean, they, 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 yeah, d- yeah. David got into this because he, he, he built a van for himself, and then he couldn't... Uh he couldn't uh, keep it and keep it, keep it. He was renting it out all the time. So it's was, it was mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah. What, what's Born it, out of desire. Yeah. What's it like when you're on, on Shark Tank and, and you invest in something like this and, and it becomes a big success. Is there, there's obviously competitiveness between you and, Envy. and, and I'm uh,
2: brag about Mark Cuban
1: and uh, Kevin O'Leary and fellow Canadian. Is that like, you know, do, what all do they think see. of the Boho uh, van company now that, that it's. Well, they're the,
2: regretful that they didn't buy in. Uh-huh. That's what it, they're regretful. And I'm regretful on all the winners i don't buy into we're all the same and then you know what we do after we're jealous and regretful we all lie about how well our own brands are doing we exaggerate (laughs) like crazy making a billion 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 yeah (laughs) you know but we all exaggerate because we're very very competitive you know and it's a game it's a gamemanship kind of thing uh but no one wants to admit that the great majority of the businesses that they've uh, very expertly invested in uh, don't do that well. <laughs> yeah, and you gotta you gotta be able to hopefully get enough winners that make up for all those losses. And that's I think the game we're all playing there with each other, you know. You, but if you talk to anybody, they're always everyone's a winner. Everyone is a winner, boy. are We cleaning up.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, it looks like so much fun uh, just being doing what you do on Shark Tank. Were you? Were you surprised at the success of the show when when you first came onto the show? Did you ever imagine that uh, it would it would turn into what it did?
2: Well, you know, I don't watch TV and I still don't watch TV. So I didn't I didn't know what a successful show looked like, but I remember the first day on the set at the end of the day I went to the producer, my boss, uh, Clay Newbell, and I said to him, "You know, what's so interesting, Clay." I said, "I've never been on a set. I don't really watch TV, but the camera guys, there's like maybe 30 cameras on set filming everything, right? I said, the camera guys, after every pitch, when we reset to the next pitch, which happens really fast, they're all talking about the deal. I said, that's got to be a good sign. Everybody here is interested. Yeah, you know? And it was that way from the get-go. They asked me another question. I'm walking, trying to go to the ladies. You know, when you said that, that everybody was engaged, and I think that is uh, mostly why the show is successful at home. Everyone is engaged. They have an opinion, and they're weighing in, you know, with their husbands, wives, kids, whatever. And so it is an extremely engaging show. So I knew we had something. Did I know it was going to be a successful show 12 years later? Of course not. I figured I'd do it a couple of years, see how it goes. If it, if it, if it worked, yeah, this would be fun for a couple of years. That's all. But you know what happens you become a dysfunctional family after all and you uh love each other uh in a weird way because you're like almost like those uh military guys that are in a ditch together you know and everybody winds up playing a role like Mark is the big brother he's the big man on campus and the big brother you got Robert who's constantly trying to measure up you have lori who's like the middle child and she's always saying let's play nice while she steals your toys by the way and then you have damon who's always the family favorite and then you have kevin who's the typical bully in the family and so somehow that whole pack blends together and, and blends you know it just kind of works and i i wasn't i wasn't really aware how much i loved everybody until we went to las vegas in this giant um, you know, this giant, uh, whatever you call it, bubble, I guess, was 80 feet tall. It was built for, uh, uh, you know, some kind of sports tournament. I don't even know what it was built for, but there we were in it, where you could hear yourself echo. And when I walked in and saw the sharks 30 feet apart from each other, usually we're two feet apart from each other sitting in our chairs, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I love them so much. I felt love, because <laughs> I was so happy to be back, you know. So that's what happens on Shark Tank, you know. We're competitive, of course, but. But we're also a family, a weird family, but we wind up being a family.
1: Is, is, do you have any advice for businesses or people that, that are dealing with this, this pandemic and all the complications that come from that? Is there any, any, anything that yeah. is a good trait to be able to adapt to this new world we're living in?
2: Yeah, you have to take where all your business has come from, make a list of where all your business has come from in the past, then tear it up and think, okay, things have changed where can I get my business now and by going through that exercise I've had uh, with all of my leading entrepreneurs, you know, I spent a lot of time in March, April on the phone with all these guys and girls, right? Uh, What it forces you to do is it forces you to acknowledge that we're in a different world right now. People do business differently and it forces you to think, how the hell am I going to get my sales? How am I going to do it? So you have Cousins Maine Lobster, for example, who immediately went to a contactless ordering system and they had lines of people. They depended on lines of people outside all their lobster trucks but they immediately uh, went online like right like split second decision great software right online contact list and they they parked their trucks and they announced them online where they were going to be every single day at every hour and they were always parked in large uh, big box store parking lots that were all closed plenty of room to park and then they call your number you pull right up and pick up your lobster their sales went up by 40 percent we had daisy cakes who's a little I'm going to, I am. Um, okay, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm getting nudged a little bit here. No nope, problem. Well. I guess I'm in a talkative mood. Um, <laughs> and that we we had Daisy Cakes, who always made a few varieties of cakes, for her bestsellers, et cetera. When this hit, she said, ah, people are going to be at home, they're going to eat more cake. And so she came out with a cake a month, boom, 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 went online, selling through third party orders. So, you know, gourmet shops, uh, gourmet online shops, basically. And her sales increased. A single baker, she opened a second bakery. I mean, I, can go, uh, I could go on and on about uh, the people who were, who knew they were in trouble or believed they were in trouble and turn on the heels fast. And those people grew their businesses. So, you know, these bad times are the best times to move ahead if you have the wherewithal to really look get at the situation you're in and believe it's not going to happen again. But I can tell you, I would say uh, four out of five of my businesses, despite the fact I worked with them, talked with them, they decided to wait it out. And let me tell you something, they're not going to be in business. Many of them are already out of business. They think they're waiting it out. You can't wait things out. You just think, okay, what now? What now? And that's a great trait. Uh, It's not just a great trait. It's a necessary trait, you know? A lot of people sat around and felt sorry for themselves for months on end. Like, oh, man, what are we going to do? Oh, we have to lease. Renegotiate with your landlord, you know? Get out there. Tell them you're moving. You know, play hardball. Get out there. Yeah, this is a changing uh, – accepting that you things have dramatically changed uh, scares the crap out of you. But it's the first step you take toward change that keeps you in business. And, and hopefully, if you make the right moves, you, know, you not only stay in business, you grow your business because a lot of your competitors are going down. You know, it spins out the ranks.
1: Well, that's amazing, Barbara. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. I just, I also wanted to just let you know, you know, that I'm a. I Huge fan of the of the van. I I, I, I bought the product. I love the product. The guys have been so great. Anytime time I've had an issue, they've they've jumped right on the phone and helped me out with it. And there hasn't really been many issues. But I, I did get I, I got stuck once in the desert in the middle of the night, which was pretty fun. But uh, <laughs> I,
2: I hope they gave you water.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been good. But uh, but no, thank you so much, Barbara, and I appreciate it. And uh, okay, and I, 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 Tom one. W-
2: one you, curiosity question I have: Do you mind if I? I'm afraid of forgetting to ask you. Yeah. Um. When no matter where you go, you have internet access. Not always.
1: Not always. So uh-huh. so that's kind of the fun of it. I have a, I have a, a satellite messenger. Uh, sp- device it's called a spot x which is like a little blackberry kind of and you can send a text message with it so if i go way out into the middle of nowhere and i've lost cell service i at least have that for an emergency Uh but but uh you know it's it's getting better it is sort of surprising how much coverage there is across the country now but Honestly, sometimes it kind of is nice to uh, lose the cell service and get I off get off the grid. So. Uh, you know, we follow each other. on I follow you on Instagram now. I don't know if you followed me oh, back, but I, I followed you there now. So, so not um, follow anybody. I pretend to. Yeah, follow me back, Barbara. Follow me back.
2: <laughs> okay, I'll follow you back. I'll, I'll make a point of following you back. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it, Barbara. It's, it's, Thank it's you great to talk much. to you. All right. Okay, all the best. Nice to
2: talk with you, too. Have okay.
1: fun. Thanks. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye. How cool was that? Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, one of the sharks. Um... Well let's just jump right into this now. I can't wait for you to meet Brett and David David and Brett from Boho vans. These guys are awesome. They've uh, definitely uh, gotten me out in the road and kept me out in the road and I thank them for that. They've been super cool to work with and, and super cool uh, with helping me uh, get set up in this van and and we have them to thank. So everybody go check out their website boho.life and uh, here's Brett and David from Boho vans. Hey Brett, David, how's it going? Good, Tom. Good to be chatting with you again. I'm I'm in the. I'm 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 in the I'm in the van. I'm in Rosinante. It's amazing. I'm uh, out in the desert, and uh, I've been out here for like six months now because of you guys. So thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome, man. Now we. We're stoked that you're getting out. You probably have as many miles on your van as probably some of our early adopters. It's it's all kind of worked out perfectly. A friend of mine introduced me to you guys online, and then I I, I watched your episode of Shark Tank and started looking at your vans. And one thing led to another. We started talking. I emailed you. We ended up doing this. I I bought a van. I bought a van. I bought a van, and uh, I've been living in the uh, in the wilderness now with my uh, my puppy Charlie. And I'm having so much fun. But you guys have been so great. You've been really helpful with everything. I mean, it's been cool. Uh, I've, I've got to come out and uh, hang out at, at uh, Boho out there in Tempe. Are you in Tempe, Phoenix? Phoenix, Tempe? What is it? Tempe, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. We're in uh, we're in Tempe, right on the Phoenix border. Uh, out here, it's everything's pretty close to each other. Scottsdale, Tempe, Phoenix. Kind of all the same.
1: So you take these Ram Promaster vans and you convert them into sort of camper vans and to somebody who doesn't know what van life is that's sort of uh you know something i want to talk about the details of just the engineering of it and how you did it but before we do that i just kind of want to understand you know how you how you started doing this what made you decide to start this company and and how did you how did you really get into this
3: yeah sure so yeah this is david um one of the founders here with brett and uh, it, it it never meant to be a company. Essentially, what happened is we um, I went out to to Maui, and there's a cheap plane ticket, and uh, we're like, oh, we'll book it, we'll go. I went with my girlfriend, and uh, we're like, oh, we'll find a place to stay. Sure enough, we're looking around trying to find you know something on the beach, and everything's just crazy expensive. So we found a company um, that rented vans, and I'd heard about people doing this out in Australia, New Zealand, things like that. That would be a really cool idea. Uh, Shout-out to North Shore Vans, those guys out in Mali. Um, awesome guys. Uh, but anyways, so we, we rented the van and just had a, an amazing time. It's, it's interesting because when you're out there in the van, as you know, Tom, time changes. It's, um, you almost feel like you get more out of your day, and that's exactly what we felt. Like We were in the van for a week, and we got back, and we felt like we hadn't gone for a month. It was, it was really cool. So came back to Tempe in Arizona. We're like, you know, we want one for ourselves. I'm not a builder. Uh, Brett is a a longtime friend of mine. And and we sat down for a conversation one evening and told him, you know, the idea. And uh, we're like, well, you know, help me build this thing. And maybe we'll rent it on the side and maybe make a little extra cash to support the build. I actually took out $16,000 on a credit card to do this um that's where where it all started and then uh sure enough you know we built the van we were both working full-time but you know we meet up and and build the van at night and essentially before it was even done we threw it up to start renting it and we couldn't even use it for ourselves it was just booked solid people were flying in from all over the country uh you know they wanted they wanted to rent the van and and people started renting it and having a really good time so we uh we saw that there was an opportunity So we bought another van, uh, Brett bought his, and then we, you know, did the same thing and, and then kind of the rest is history. You know, we started as a rental company and then, uh, clients wanted to, to own their own. And we figured, Hey, you know, we can rent them, we can build them why not sell them as well. And that's essentially how it all started.
1: That's so cool. How do you build it? First of all, like, could you just describe quickly how you build it? I mean, it's obviously, you know, uh, I can describe it, you know, in my way quickly. It's a, it's, it's a van that's you've put this n- beautiful wooden interior and a kitchen and a bed and. But I mean, what goes into that? I mean, I mean, how did you figure out how to make sure you built this thing so it didn't fall apart? you
4: know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, well, that's kind of Venice Brett. Um, It's. That's kind of where it all started, where Dave came to me, and I've kind of grown up um, in the off-road community. We built some race cars growing up, and uh, my background is tool and die and machining, so uh, putting it together, I've always worked with, you know, metals and stuff like that, so getting into carpentry um, was a little bit of a different um, aspect to the trades, but... Um, We always knew that we want to work with the best materials and not, you know, not using particle boards and other materials that you kind of see in other RVs um, that we knew that fell apart from owning RVs and trailers kind of throughout the years. Um, We just kind of always set ourselves to a high standard of the best qualities and just kind of, um, you know, putting things together in the van came from us sitting on milk crates And, uh, especially in the smaller vans before we upgraded to a van like yours, um, where we have a bit more space for headroom, we were literally sitting in milk crates, putting our arms out and holding tape measures up and being like, yeah, that's probably a good counter height for this, you know, like that, that that works. And then, uh, from there, it went to the wish list of dimensions on how we were going to build it to looking at, well, what is the actual size of water tank? And how many gallons can we get with those particular sizes and then fitting in what the industry already provided as far as you know water pumps and batteries and figuring those sizes out and then playing the game of tetris on how we fit this together and make it the most functional possible and literally we're you know i think we told you on your build like you know we're fighting for inches on this where you know, you called up and you, you're asking about adding, you know, adding a few things, um, you know, to your build, and we were literally building Rubbermaid containers in our our CAD software to make sure it would all fit, and then give you the okay to to purchase that kind of stuff because. I mean, we're literally down to the inch uh, when it comes to how we're going to fit this all together.
1: It's so cool. There's sort of a DIY aspect, do-it-yourself aspect. Uh, that's for people that don't know what DIY is. A DIY aspect, a do-it-yourself aspect to van life, right? People, uh, I just said that twice, people like to, um, <laughs> you know, people like to... Get a van, convert it themselves. Now, if I were to do that, of course, I would, I would screw it up, right? And, uh, cause I'm not like, you know, I've built skateboard ramps and stuff when I was a kid, but they were always lopsided and weren't very good. So, you know, so it's nice to be able to get like, you know, this DIY conversion, but done properly, done professionally. You obviously had some trial and error, I'm sure, over the years doing it, but, you know, it's led to this point where it's kind of like a well oiled machine. And then all of a sudden, you're doing this stuff, and then you end up on Shark Tank, this huge television show. How did that happen? And let's walk through that. You, you, you know, you're doing your, 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 your two buddies. You've started this company. You're making these DIY vans. You're renting them out. All of a sudden, you're on Shark Tank, and everything changes, I guess, after that, right?
3: Yeah, I mean... To an extent, for sure, the publicity you get from something like that is just astronomical, and we're still we're still catching up. Um, You know, it's it's one of those opportunities that you can never turn down. So when we we applied as a joke, we were kind of laughing about it when we first started. Like, ah, they're doing applications. Let's just throw our name in the hat, Uh, and it just got me more serious. You know, there's a billion stages, and we got through each one. You know from just you know short you know 30 seconds of what your company is then you got to make a 10-minute video then you're moving into you know serious stuff what are your financials your projections this and that then you sign your life away basically saying you know um they can't sue you uh if they make you cry if they make you you know throw a chair um that's on you uh and it's not it's not something that it's a tv show they want that stuff so when brett and i went on we, we made a pact that if either one of us cries, uh, we lose all of our, our, our shares in the company. <laughs> so we, 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 we've seen way too many of those episodes. That's yeah, um, fact. <laughs> that's a fact. We we shook
4: on it before we went on air. we were like, if you cry, if you cry, you lose your fifty percent. Wow, that's pretty
1: brutal, man. Good thing one of you didn't cry. Sometimes you can't can can't really predict when you're going to cry. I mean, I uh, I've been on a few in those shows, and I, you know, I, I did I did I did Big Brother, and I cried on that. So I, I and I and I'm, I'm not even joking. I actually did cry. But anyways, go ahead.
3: I'm gonna have to look that video up, Tom. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm an emotional. You know, we were,
1: I'm an emotional guy. I get emotional. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, so it really, what was cool is that we went in there pretty confident. Not not necessarily that we would get a deal, but that we were on a good path for growth. I think companies go on to that show desperate, and we weren't. Uh, we knew we could go in there, tell them our idea. Nobody liked it smile and wave and say, thank you. And and that was kind of the whole mentality of of what we do and and, and really what we do with the rest of the business. Um, You know, we know what we have uh, and we'll, we'll be very transparent about anyone who has kind of crazy off the wall ideas um, whether or not we can make it work or not Um, because the last thing we want to do is, you know, we want to be innovative, but we don't want to sell somebody something that, you know, maybe they saw, you know, 50 YouTube videos and then they want, Something from each one, and it just it just isn't going to work. So, you know, we uh, we we know what we have, and, and so it was pretty it was a pretty cool experience. We we talk with Barbara, our, our partner now, quite a bit, and uh, man, she's she's a handful. Yeah, she's awesome. She's pretty hilarious. Yeah, uh, so
1: pretty, that's pretty cool. Incredible. Barbara Barbara invested, and uh, when you say she's a handful, what do you mean? Like she's she's got a lot of ideas, or what are you saying exactly there?
3: Yeah, she's just just. <laughs> she's just a no nonsense, um, firecracker. I mean, she says what's on her mind and unapologetically it, it's great. Um, you know, she's not any sort of a problem or anything like that as far as, you know, maybe the traditional sense of handful goes, but we just know when we have her on the phone or we, we chat with her, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of laughs. It's going to be like a lot of Brett and I will whisper to each other. Did, did she just say that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so she's uh, she's a perfect partner for us. She actually lets us do our thing, which is really cool, and and she's just there to support um, and come up with ideas, you know, when we need we need
1: help so on shark tank you know it gets to the point where it gets down to like you got mark cuban you got kevin o'leary you got you know you got barbara you got everybody else who who were the who were the sharks on the show and was were you expecting it to go the way it went and uh, you know or or, or you know what, what what did you think of the way that went down that just that moment when you found out that barbara was investing and
4: Totally. Yeah. So like starting from the beginning of that, like when, you know, when we walked out, I mean, it was like a roller coaster. It felt like, you know, like the floor kind of dropped out from us. Like when we had to walk out, it was, it was a wild ride. And basically the thing that you walk into it for us, I should say, we walked into it and, you know, just don't make a fool of ourselves. Don't look like a bunch of doofuses up there. And we knew our numbers. We literally, we drove the van from Phoenix to LA And we didn't turn on the radio uh, once and we basically went through our financials and just talked about like the company the entire time, besides a couple of sidebar conversations where, you know, what we did in high school and, you know, like, you know, some funny jokes about like hanging out back in the day. Um, But mostly I would say six hours of it was straight about the business. So we walk onto the stage and it's Mark Cuban, Barbara, Kevin O'Leary, um, Lori Ganier, and then Rohan Oza was the guest. And Cuban was the only one that backed out, and he backed out pretty early, he just said, hey, guys, everything sounds great. The product looks really cool, just not my sector, not my thing. I wish you all the best. And actually, like, during the taping, he was, you know, giving us some, you know, some good insights for business-wise when uh, even, like, one time when, uh, you know, Kevin O'Leary tells us, you know, we kind of hit him up about wanting to give us a a loan for $300,000. And we said, well, you know, what, what would that loan look like, Kevin? And he goes, ah, something like seven, seven and a half percent. And Cuban leans over and says... Kevin, they'll go to a bank and get a better deal than that. He looked and pointed at us and said, "Guys, you're not doing that deal." <laughs> like Kevin kind of looked over and, you know, kind of gave him a death eye, like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what's great about that show, right? The relationship between everybody and and and, and I, I now I'm kind of curious because now, you know, I, I've come out to your uh, to your factory. Now you've got a factory. And you have it's like an it's like Henry Ford's assembly line out there. You've expanded into this great big you know, facility. You're making multiple vans. You got a bunch of employees, and it's obviously super successful. And uh, you know, d- do you have any interaction with with Shark Tank outside of Barbara? Does like what's it what's it what's it like when someone makes an investment on Shark Tank, and then the the business actually works? I mean, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if half the time that they invest in those, those, those products, like the shit doesn't work, right?
4: Yeah, that that could potentially be it. Um, and <laughs> here's the sales pitch. Everyone needs to tune in this Friday for uh, our Shark Tank update.
1: <laughs> ah, there you yeah, go. That's yeah. super cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the relationship with Shark Tank afterwards is more of a, you know, they try to do other updates and opportunities uh, but mainly with, with the, the shark we, we worked with and invested in, uh, we were we were able to go on and they had a COVID update special. And so they, they reached out to some of the, you know, the, the ventures that are on the tank and, and uh, asked them what they were doing, anything special for COVID. And our business is kind of a natural fit. I think that's a big reason that you uh, are out in the middle of nowhere, you know chasing scorpions and doing all that stuff with charlie but um yeah so we you know we we donated some vans for some healthcare workers we had a lot of vans sitting around when it first hit because everybody was scared to travel uh and then you know they're like you want to do an update sounds like business is is doing well so of course like you know they come out um set up some cameras do some stuff and they're going to be showing kind of everything since uh on this friday uh episode it might it might air after this podcast podcast airs but definitely check it out
1: Yeah, that's cool. So, like, when you make a van, okay, you obviously, we're out in the van a lot, but you sort of learn things over time. Just to talk a bit more about van life in general and and what it's like out there on the road and... What it's like living in a van. How did you, how did you figure out what you needed? Like you, let's, let's walk through the van in a little detail for the listeners. Cause we're actually talking about my van that I'm in right now here. So this is yep. where, this is where I've been living. So in my van, we've got a water tank. How's that work? What's the water tank all about? How, how did you, how, I, we don't want to give away too many secrets, but people, you know, maybe we can give away a few secrets for some people out there that want to try to build their own van if you don't mind, you know, like how, how, how how's that work the water tank the electrical system the the battle-borne batteries the 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 solar panels the the victron you know all the stuff that's in there like did you guys come up with putting that whole system together is this kind of standard stuff or
4: yeah i mean that's definitely just a hundred percent our design just natural to us and we're pretty we're pretty open book as far as that goes together i mean if somebody wanted to copy our van, you know, beginning to end, all they need to do is really kind of look at our Instagram and follow our Facebook feed. I mean, we're not, you know, it's not like we're trying to hold everything, you know, secret, but you know, there are some things that measurements and stuff that people are going to have to figure out on their own. They started with the water tank. I mean, it was basically what's the biggest water tank that we can fit in the van to give people the longest time out boondocking as you are right now Where, you know, the battery system, um, you know, kind of jumping away from the water system, the battery system, that is so robust. As you know, with yours, I mean, you have 400 amp hours and then you got your solar panels feeding that, that the solar setup we have on your van can basically put, you know, a minimum of, you know, 50% charge on the batteries um, on any given day if you were to use 50% of it. But um, the real pinch point was the water system. So. We had to put the biggest tank in that we could fit, but still giving you as much space to carry around all your gear that you want. So that's where, you know, we put 25-gallon tanks in ours right now. We're, we're maybe trying to, to upgrade that. We're trying to, you know, move things around to see if we can. But uh, it's kind of a perfect fit right now. It seems like the renters can go through 25 gallons in about, uh, you know, 8 to 10 days. Um, yourself or you know other you know end users they seem to be able to do stretch it anywhere from 10 to 15 days so um, so, so like, like
1: yeah so like to kind of like just kind of i guess kind of repeat a little bit what you said but the solar panels on the roof are charging these battle-borne batteries uh and which are like those batteries go in like sailboats and stuff right and it's an, an ish before the van life thing took off is that what they were made for for like long distance electrical well, I, I mean, well,
4: lithium-ion lithium is a is a, a little bit of a newer thing. Um, like a lot of the components we're using, like um, I, I think you're you're trying to get to the some of the um, Victron components, like the Victron stuff. Um, that's kind of come where when we looked at when we were starting to build the vans, we had used some um, you know cheaper um, cheaper solar company stuff where it, we were just able to upgrade out of. You know, some of these other manufacturers that provided solar components, Um we had some troubles with them. We had some troubles with tech support with other uh, manufacturers. But the Victron um, those are actually like they're all marine grade. Those do go on offshore sailing boats that go oh, around okay. the world. That's the sailboat and, part. And yeah. <laughs> the batteries. Like yeah. that would be something that you could easily see you know in a a sailboat or you know in like the land cruisers that you know earth roamers that go around the world and stuff like that for sure because the the upside the lithium is huge it's just got a big dollar you know amount attached to it that's that's kind of the biggest hang-up.
1: Because what's so cool about for me, you know, when I'm out making videos and, and shooting photos and using my computer and editing and over the years when I've done that for I've done that for almost 30 years now, or actually for 30 years now, you know, you used, to, you used to have to charge your batteries, you know, you'd have to go home to charge your batteries. So you couldn't go out into the desert for a week and just stay there and keep shooting, especially back in the day, the batteries in your cameras and stuff would just instantly drain, so, and they were giant, so you couldn't really plan to go out and film for more than a day without having to return to civilization to charge your batteries so that's kind of what's made this whole thing like such an adventure for me because I'm able to go out and focus on my photography and my videography and my music and all of that stuff and just stay there you know I work all day You know, I just shot this music video for my uh, song that you guys uh, that you guys like like my song. Right. Right. Now is the right time. Right. Uh, You know, I, 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 I wrote the song in the desert. I made the video in the desert. And at the end of the day, after shooting the video, you know, the sun's going down and I didn't have to go anywhere. I just cracked open a beer and like, you know, sat there with Charlie and said, that was a pretty good day. We made our video, went to sleep, woke up in the morning, edited the video, posted the video. All without ever having to return to civilization. It's just so bizarre to me from a filmmaking standpoint that you're able to do this now. And you know, I sometimes I feel like I don't want to define it too clearly because filmmakers and everybody are gonna go copy it, but then you know what? Whatever. I mean, you know, I'm happy to happy happy to help out, I guess, with people's You know, I just I, I don't know. It's just it's just kinda of weird though, because I feel like I'm on the cusp of something here, like that people don't really quite understand. How this can be used from a filmmaking yep. perspective it 's really efficient, you know, and even when you 're traveling like like you said, time sort of changes it 's so strange traveling in a van like this i 'd never never really done that where you I slept in the van every night, you know like driving across the country and driving around the country not having to worry at any point about going okay i guess we should start looking for where we're going to check into the hotel now you know and take you know an hour to figure that out no it's just kind of like some days i'll be driving in fact i've done this a couple of times when driving from arizona back to la where once the trip is over and i realize i'm ready to go home i start driving home and i think I don't really want to go look for a campsite right now. I'm just going to drive until I get tired and then I'm going to pull over at a truck stop, pull into a parking <laughs> spot and fall asleep for 4 or 5 hours, get up in the morning and and drive home, you know? So you can just kind of keep going, keep going, keep going. It's so efficient, you know? I mean, I love that. And the thing that I've also loved about it is, you know, you guys kind of sort of open my eyes to this whole BLM land, Bureau of Land Management, public land that is all over this country. And, you know, I've, I've talked to a few van lifers on this show uh, in the last few weeks and I'm, I'm, I'm really like realizing like this is sort of like an unknown, undiscovered thing to the general public that there's just this massive, beauty in this country that we all know is there but you know I didn't really realize there was sort of an organized system to just drive down a dirt road and you're allowed to camp and stay there free of charge for 14 days and all of this stuff it's a pretty amazing thing once you get into this world I mean the thing that's so cool about the southern the southwestern United States specifically I mean you guys are in Arizona and these desert landscapes and all of this kind of you know, expansiveness. I think 60% of the state of Arizona is public land. I mean, do you think that's kind of part of what made you guys kind of become fascinated with this as you were living in the desert? You were kind of surrounded by all of this nature and you realized, hey, we want to go explore all this stuff?
3: Yeah, completely. I, it's We're originally from Wisconsin. And, yeah, you have the Northwoods and you have stuff up there. But when you live in Arizona, especially in Phoenix, you always feel like you're on the edge of some sort of frontier because it's true. Um, there's, you know, a few big cities, Tucson, Phoenix, Flagstaff to an extent, but surrounded by that is just wilderness. And it's kind of weird where, you know, maybe other parts of the country, you know, the, you, you, you know, the next town over is the next town over. It's not, you're not passing a giant swath of desert. So for us, this is something we always would do before we started this business. We'd go out to the desert. We'd go out camping. Um, we knew that it was um, a really cool way to experience the outdoors, and so it just seemed like uh, you know a natural fit. And 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 that was kind of the big part is we were shocked when we started this here in Phoenix, and there was really no one else doing it. Uh, you know, there's other van builders. You know, California, Colorado, Pacific Northwest. But in Phoenix, really, uh, you know, there's there's really just us, and so it's it's kind of surprising too um, that that no, nothing's been done, and that's why I think that's a big part of the success. People yeah. fly here; they want to see the Grand Canyon, but you go up to the Grand Canyon, there's you know limited options for staying, uh, and so you know what do people do? Well, why not sleep in a van? It's it's again, it's, you're it's- saving time. And you're, you know, you're kind of living off the land in a sense. It's it's a cool feeling. It's so
1: great to just be able to pull up to, like you said, the Grand Canyon or to some incredible vista or beach and just sit there and be there. And no, you don't have to leave and go anywhere. You just can, you know, like, I mean, you, you, like you said, when you were in Hawaii, you were looking for a hotel on the beach. Well, that's expensive. And then once you get there, you're surrounded by people. How often do you get the opportunity to just pull up to an empty beach and just stay there for a week? It's amazing. I really lo- I really love it. It's been a whole new Uh, you know eye-opening thing for me you know this is all kind of started because of the pandemic you know I wanted to find a way to to travel and and get out of the house and uh, and and I'm really glad I did it and I'm so glad I met you guys it's been so it's been so cool you've been such a great uh, you know so helpful anytime I've had a trouble or or any issue you know you've been able to help me with it. it hasn't really been any problems with the van but that, that weren't my fault, but I did get stuck in the sand I once, guess, but, but uh, no, it's been, it's been super cool. So, you know, I, uh, I love it. I love it, man.
4: Well, there was like the whole, like, I think everything that you're saying, I mean, it's, it's something that, you know, people, it's literally just like people just looking to the future when they're traveling in a van, because you're not trying to backtrack to get to a hotel, to get to an Airbnb, you know, or X, Y, Z campsite necessarily where, you know, you can literally just kind of keep moving forward. And I think there's like a big freedom that you're feeling as, you know, I've talked with you on the phone a number of times where you just like, you just kind of feel like the options are limitless to where you're going to go. And there's like no more of these you know, constraints put on you by, you know, having that hotel and that Airbnb. Everything's just, you know, just a wide open adventure and just choose your own path and get going.
1: Yeah. And I'm starting to really like kind of really know in detail this country. I mean, I've been to every state already with stand up, but you know, you fly into a city, you go to the comedy club and then you fly out and you don't actually travel throughout in detail throughout the state. But so far, like I now know New Mexico and Utah and Arizona and, you know, and Texas to a certain extent and, and California almost inside out, you know, especially in the, in the last few months, I spent a lot of time in New Mexico and a lot of time in Utah and a lot of time in Arizona. And it's cool when you start to really start zooming in on the map on those in-between places. And, you know, you know, it's like, a, yeah, I know where the Kofa wilderness area is and the Cabeza Prieta desert and, and, you know, where Death Valley is in relationship to, you know, uh, Nevada. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Like start, you start to have a real kind of clear picture of this country. In real detail, not just where all the cities are, not where all the states are, but all the little wilderness areas and places in between. And it's been so cool. So cool. Well, listen, guys. Not, uh, yeah. What were you going to so say? Funny, yeah. yeah.
4: When, you, when you hit me up, you're like, hey, I'm over in this place have you been here? Have you been to this campsite? And I'm like, Tom, you, you've already been to like 50 other places that I've never even known of. Like
1: you like, <laughs> live in our dream right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it's kind of, I, I kind of in some ways, you know, taking advantage of, of, of the, of the freedom I have right now to, to be able to travel and, and do this. And I appreciate it, man. I'm glad I, I'm glad it worked out where I just kind of, it's funny how life works. You know, you just kind of sometimes, you know go down this rabbit hole of where, where am i going to find a van and somehow i just found you guys and now we've we've uh we've become friends and i've uh learned a whole bunch of new stuff about how to uh how to explore this country and it's been amazing so i just wanted to say thanks man and congratulations on everything with uh with boho and uh and uh yeah thanks for thanks for coming on the show today
4: yeah tom thanks man we really appreciate you having us tom.
3: Yeah, Tom. Keep doing what you're doing. The music is awesome. It, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, awesome. All right,
1: guys. Perfect. All right, I'll talk. I'll talk to you soon. And uh, thanks again, man. David, Brett. Rock on. All right, take care. All right. Cheers. Right, thanks so much for listening to another episode of Tom Green Van Life. That's my name, and uh, my name is Tom Green. My name's not Van Life. That would be weird if my name was Van Life. But um, Pretty soon people might start calling me van life If this keeps up But let's just leave it at that We've, we've, we've had a great show today I will tell you I am on the road To another exciting place I'm not going to tell you where But if you want to see some of the adventures That are going on right now Please go to my YouTube channel YouTube.com slash Tom Green Follow me on Instagram Follow me on Twitter at Tom Green Live On Instagram at Tom Green I'm on Facebook too And uh, hey man Let's do it. Onward and upward. Love you guys. See you next week.